If you're with us this morning, you can take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 1. As you're turning there, if you're using a Bible or on your device or whatever, um, just want to tell you congratulations for finishing Mark chapter 1. It's a big accomplishment for us this morning, six sermons in. Today, we're looking at verses 40 through 45. I love this story. Um, I hope it blesses your heart. And above all else, I, I pray that we can see Jesus today for who He really is. This is God's Word for us, starting in verse 40. And a leper came to Him, imploring Him, and kneeling said to Him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is God's word for us this morning. Let's go to God and ask for his blessing upon it. God, we come to your word knowing that it's the authority in this room. Lord Jesus, I pray that you can speak to us through it. Guard us from error. Guard us from distraction. Guard us from frivolous thinking guard us from setting our minds on the on the flesh this morning god we want to honor you god i pray for every single believer in this room that we can be drawn to you jesus through this passage god i pray for every single person here who's not a believer in this room that they can be drawn to jesus in this passage all for your glory and your name jesus amen imagine for a moment one day you look down and your skin is a bit discolored you go to get checked out by a doctor and it turns out that you have a very serious skin disease that is extremely contagious. Which means you can't be in the same room with anyone without them catching it. Could you imagine how your life would change getting that diagnosis? You would lose your job. You would be distanced from your family. You would be banned from gathering with your church. Not to mention all the physical suffering you would endure. Try this morning to put yourself in those shoes and feel the desperation of an outcast who was physically suffering in such a horrible way. The loneliness. The isolation. The pain. The shame. The hopelessness. And then you get a glimpse of how this leper felt in this narrative. First we see the request in verse 40. A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. You can, you can feel the desperation in the leper's actions. Where it says the leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling. The leper, and notice that's just his name in this story. That's his identity. He is a leper. 
He draws near to Jesus, risking absolutely everything. I need you to know that lepers were supposed to stand at a distance of 50 paces from everyone at all times. But this leper does not care. He has heard the stories and he has heard how Jesus Christ is the all-sufficient, perfect problem solver and he has determined that this is his chance. So he begs, he falls to his knees, and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice that the leper does not doubt Jesus' ability. He says, you can make me clean. He fully affirms Jesus' authority over the disease of leprosy. You probably as well probably don't have any problems affirming the power and authority of Jesus Christ. But what you do probably have a problem with affirming is Jesus' interest in you, right? Whether he will come through for you. Whether he has the time of day for you. Same thing with the leper. The leper didn't doubt Jesus' ability. He doubted Jesus' heart. He didn't know if Jesus would take the time. He didn't know if Jesus cared about him. He didn't know if Jesus was willing to risk his health and safety for others. Obviously, this leper does not know our Jesus. What does the leper specifically ask for? Notice this in the text. He says, if you will, you can make me, what? Clean. The leper didn't just want to be healed. He wanted to be clean. And I've just been so thrilled this whole week knowing that we were reading Leviticus as a church together. Okay, I know you've been struggling with it. I have been too. You know, it, it, it's, it's tough work in Leviticus sometimes, but it's so important. And, you know, this week, if you're, if you're in our Bible reading plan, I would love for you to join us um, starting this week. You can, it's in the bulletin. Just pick it up and go. In Leviticus 11.44, we read, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourself with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. So right here is one of those very Leviticus laws. If you read Leviticus this week, you read a lot of things like this. You know, where it says, you shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. So Leviticus is saying not to eat bugs. Why? Because you don't want to defile yourself. So here is the concept of clean and unclean, pure and defiled. Why was Israel supposed to remain clean? Why no eating bugs? We see it in Leviticus 11.44. It says, be holy for I am holy. We see in the Bible that God is holy, holy, holy. He is perfectly clean, perfectly pure. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Therefore, since God is holy, clean, and pure, his people are called to be holy, clean, and pure. So, throughout Leviticus, there is this cleanliness code that revealed to Israel God's expectation that every single aspect of their life was to be marked by holiness. Every single aspect. And if you broke that code in any way, you became unclean. You saw that in Leviticus, right? And then if you're unclean, you can't approach God. But also being unclean meant that you couldn't be a part of the community. You had to be separate. Remember what Leviticus said about the leper. Leviticus 13, 45-46. says, The leprous person who has the disease 
shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Do you see the the plight and the humiliation and the desperation of this leper? He was alienated from God, his family, his community, and ultimately hope. This was not a disease that could be very easily healed. Some said it was easier to raise the dead than to cure leprosy. So he comes knowing this is his one chance, kneeling, imploring, begging Jesus. Breaking the, the law, in a sense, to come into his presence. How is Jesus going to respond to this desperate leper? The response Jesus gives, that's our next point, verses 41 through 42, the response. The response Jesus gives to this leper is a perplexing plot twist. And if you don't personally know Jesus, if you do not know Jesus Christ, the Son of God, this is going to blow you away. Look at verse 41, three words, moved with pity. This means that Jesus' first emotion was not to be disgusted by the leper skin. His first emotion was not to be afraid of becoming defiled. His first emotion wasn't to be worried about catching the disease. No, he was moved with pity. This is our Jesus. Moved with pity. Pity means the feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by the suffering and misfortune for others. So right here in those three words, moved with pity, we get an x-ray into the heart of Jesus Christ. When face to face with this broken world, when face to face with an unclean outcast, our Jesus Christ was moved with pity. Listen to me, even in your sinful state right now, no matter how defiled you may be, no matter how bad of a week you may have had, no matter how dirty you may feel, come to Jesus with a broken heart over your sin. Plead with him for mercy and he will be moved with pity for you. We have the promise in Scripture, 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is our Jesus Christ, moved with pity for sinners. Now, I want to point out that Jesus' pity is kind of like seeing those really super sad commercials about dogs on TV. You know what I'm talking about? Where... Um, Sarah McLaughlin or whatever singing in the arms of an angel and okay but here's the difference between our pity and Jesus' pity we just see that commercial and normally get sad right Jesus' pity would pick up the phone actually dial the number and make a donation to whatever association that is here's why I'm saying this because Jesus didn't just feel an emotion Jesus felt an emotion that led him to actual action A stunning action, an unprecedented action. Look what Jesus does. So he felt the pity, and that caused him to move so much, though it says in verse 41, he stretched out his hand and touched him. This was probably the first time in years this leper had been touched by anyone, by family, friends. Imagine that. Jesus loved this man and was moved with pity for this man and had a heart for this man. 
in this moment, Jesus wasn't fearful of being defiled. No, his love overrode any sense of self-preservation. Jesus wasn't thinking like, how do I protect myself in this situation? No, he was moved with pity and it caused him to touch this man. Actually, we see right here what I want to call the conquering holiness of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus Christ touches a leper, Jesus doesn't become defiled, but the defiled becomes clean. You see that? His conquering holiness. Jesus says four words, I will be clean. And what happens? Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. See the omnipotent power of Jesus Christ. Years of desperation, isolation, and disease dissolve in a single moment at the word of Jesus Christ. Let this be an encouragement to every single sinner in the room today. That yes, you may feel so defiled, so dirty, so unclean, so sinful. You may have such a long history of rebellion and shame. Or you might have messed up last night in a major way. But this is no power. This is no match for the holy power of Jesus Christ. You can come to Christ today and be made clean in a single second. Because he is the same Christ that we read about in the story today. He's able to make you clean. We go on in the story to see the rebuke. Things get even crazier now. This is perplexing. If you, if you don't know Jesus, what we just told you about Jesus being moved with pity and touching the leper and healing the leper, you're probably surprised by that. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while and know him well, that, that should shock you still, but you know that. You know Jesus is compassionate, powerful, and loving. But this next part of the narrative should be confusing for all of us, honestly. It's, it's perplexing. We see the rebuke. Let's read in verses 43 through 44. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So after Jesus healed the leper, what does he do? Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. The phrase sternly charged literally in Greek is the word for snort. Sometimes used to describe an animal's fury. So Jesus heals this leper in great pity and compassion and power. And then he scolds the man and sent him packing. Why was Jesus so mad? What's going on here? It probably has something to do with what Jesus says in verse 44. And what ends up happening in verse 45. What does Jesus say in verse 44? See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Jesus clearly commands this leper to not say anything to anyone. Jesus had already made the decision in verse 38, if you remember last week, that his mission was not going to be about building crowds. And Jesus knew that this miracle would just stir up more popularity that had nothing to do with his actual mi mission of preaching the gospel, right? But the other thing that Jesus told this leper, which actually I guess at this point in time it's a former leper, right? No longer a leper anymore. He's been healed completely. Was that he needed to go show himself to the priest and make the proper offering. As you know, 
Beach Grove Bible Readers, one of the priest's responsibilities was to examine lepers and determine whether they were clean or not. And if they were unclean, what they needed to do to become clean. We read about this in Leviticus 14 this week. So, what we see in this story is that the Old Testament law and regulations could recognize that a man was healed and clean, but the Old Testament law could never actually heal the man. Jesus is better than the law of Moses, is what we see here. But with that said, we may come to the conclusion that Jesus didn't care about the Old Testament cleanliness laws, because we see Jesus willingly touch someone who was unclean. Nevertheless, in this narrative, Jesus still commands the former leper to obey the law of Moses and to obey the cleanliness laws. Perplexing, right? It's like all this stuff's going around. It's like, where's Jesus landing on these issues? We know, according to Matthew 7, 17, Jesus came to fulfill the law of Moses, not to abolish it. Jesus hasn't come to subvert God's word in Leviticus, but to fulfill God's word. He says that, Matthew 7, 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus isn't there just to dismiss the law, but he's there to fulfill it. So he's healed this leper and he says, Hey, go do what you're supposed to do. Right? Go to the priest. But there's another reason why he's doing this. Look at what it says in the text. It says, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So that for is the because. Here's why I want you to do that for a proof to them. What's going on there? Jesus, um, for a proof to them, sounds a little less confrontational than it actually is. Jesus is pretty confrontational here. Um, just like he was to the leper when he was sternly charged him. He's snorting at the leper and he's like, go take this to the priest so they can see what I've done. Um, the, it could be translated... Um, so this can be a witness against them, is the idea here. Just imagine the priest having this known leper come to him. And then the priest has to recognize completely the leprosy has been healed. So the, the leper is a witness against the priest in a sense because the priest has no choice but to recognize the full and total healing that has been happened. Um, but... This is the same group of people who will reject Jesus and crucify him later on in the narrative. So it's a witness. It's like, hey, show them I have this power to do this. And the priests had to recognize what Jesus had done in that. Finally, in our last point, we see the rebellion. In verse 45, which says, But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. We saw that with Jesus' healing came two commands, right? The two commands were to tell no one and to go to the priests. I want to point out that these are small requests after being given a completely new lease on life. Are those not two small requests? Don't tell anybody about it and go fulfill the law's obligations. This is like saying, hey, I'm going to pay off your mortgage. But all I want you to do is go pick me up some flour at the store afterwards. Right, that's all, that, that, it's similar to that. Nevertheless, what does verse 45 start with? But. That's a terrible, terrible word to follow the direct command of Jesus Christ, is it not? Jesus says, do this. Verse 45 starts with, but. 
I pray your life doesn't have that kind of but in it. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Now, we love to talk about spreading the news of Jesus. So it's tempting to read this verse in a positive light. I mean, all news is good news, right? All evangelism is good evangelism. Not in this case. I don't think that's the proper way to read this narrative. No, here we see nothing less than the deliberate rebellion against the direct and clear command of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, say nothing to anyone. But verse 45 says, but he went and began to talk freely about it. Do you see the direct rebellion? This rebellion has a direct negative impact on Jesus. Look what it says. It says, so that... Here's what it caused. Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. This man's sin directly harmed and hampered Jesus' ministry. He couldn't go from town to town preaching anymore as he intended in verse 38. No, he was pushed out to desolate places. He was pushed out to the wilderness. And even there, he was overwhelmed by people coming to him from every quarter. In this story, I see an easy application. This man, this former leper, so desperately wanted the benefits of Jesus' power, but had absolutely no interest in submitting to Jesus' authority. Brothers and sisters, this is not what saving faith looks like. Saving faith involves being broken hearted over your sin, coming to Christ in faith to plead for mercy and surrendering to His Lordship. Saving faith is not just wanting gifts and blessings from Jesus. No, saving faith is wanting Jesus to be your King and your Lord and submit to Him in every area of your life. So I want you to ask yourself, everybody in this room, I want you to ask yourself, How does my relationship with Jesus look like this leper? Look at this story again and ask yourself, how does my relationship with Jesus look like this? Ask yourself, do I run to Jesus when I want a blessing? Or do I run to Jesus when I just want a blessing? Remember, he was so desperate in that moment, was he not? Kneeling, imploring Saying, if you will, can you make me clean? But then literally moments later, he's deliberately rejecting the clear, direct command of Jesus Christ. So ask yourself, Christian, is there any area of my life where I'm rejecting the clear command of Jesus Christ found in His Word? Or I'm saying, yeah, Jesus, please bless me. Please bless my family. Please bless my walk. Please bless my church. You know, please fix this situation. But then... You walk away from that situation in complete direct rebellion. So in this passage, we've seen the request, the response, the rebuke, and the refusal. As we apply this story to our lives, I know we are tempted to see ourselves in this story as Christ. And if that's how we're supposed to interpret this story, the moral of the story would be something like, love people like Jesus. If that's our interpretation, we are Jesus and the more unfortunate people in our lives and societies are the lepers. 
No doubt, Jesus is an example for us to follow. And I pray the Holy Spirit will will lead us and cause us to have more pity, more compassion, more love, and more courage to love like Jesus does in this story. Yes, Jesus is our example. But if you see yourself as Christ in this narrative, you're missing the point. you You are not Jesus in this narrative. No, no, no. You're the leper. You're the leper. Listen, that that situation I described at the beginning, the desperation of the leper, okay, your situation and your sin is way more desperate than that. Okay, you're not just alienated from your family, but you're alienated from God in your sin. You're so much more desperate than this leper. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see our sin apart from Christ and how horrific it is. And the desperate situation we're in where we have a terrible eternal punishment on the way and there's nothing we ourselves can do about it. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see that. No, this story is not about us. This is a story about Jesus Christ. The main point of this story is the breathtaking combination of the pity and power of Jesus. That's what I want you to see. The combination of the two. Jesus' pity and Jesus' power. And ultimately we see that Jesus is just the Savior we so desperately need. Yes, you are in a desperate situation in your sin. You are in a desperate situation in your life. But here in this story, we see a Savior full of pity and power. If Jesus just had pity, what good would that do for us? He would care about us, but he couldn't heal us. right? But if Jesus just had power, but no pity... He could heal us, but he wouldn't care enough to do it. Do you see that? Oh, but here in this passage, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, we see pity and power perfectly united in the one God-man, Jesus Christ, who is perfectly suited to be our Savior that we so desperately need. Jesus Christ, his pity and his power. Be impressed with that Holy Spirit. Open our eyes to see it. But at the same time, this is a cautionary tale for us. Remember, You're the leper in this story. So this narrative reminds us that to come to Christ is to confess Him as Lord, King, and boss over your life. We don't want to be like this leper with half faith in the room. I mean, in this passage. Anybody in this room, we don't want to be this half-faith leper. Because that's really no faith at all. To come to Christ for blessings alone... It's not faith. You're just trying to hijack Jesus for your own personal gain. No. True saving faith surrenders in full obedience to Jesus Christ. It's what faith does. Make it so in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we come before you now. So impressed with your pity and power. Lord, I pray, God, that you can... Open our eyes, Holy Spirit, so we can see Jesus rightly. Moved with pity, full of power, the all-sufficient, perfect problem solver, Jesus Christ. We praise you this morning, God. Um, First of all, God, I want to pray for anybody in here with the sin problem of it's never been forgiven. They've never come to you. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will convict them of their sin right now in this moment and draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray... um, God, that you will show them how desperate they are in this moment apart from you, Jesus. Show them their sin, God. But then also, um, I pray for every believer in this room. 
God, to, to, to remind us that we need you, Jesus, to be so impressed. Give us eyes to see who you are. God, help us be so impressed with you and your pity and power. God, help us be full-hearted Christians with a full faith that doesn't just come for your benefits, but also comes to obey you completely in every single aspect of our lives. So, God, as we respond, as we sing this song, God, I pray that you can um, help us do some heart work. God, maybe people need to just sit and pray as we sing. God, I don't know. But, God, I pray that um, we can search our hearts and say, God, is there any area in my heart where I am disobeying you just so directly like this leper was? Um, Jesus, thank you for this word. God, I pray you can press upon our hearts who you are as we sing together. In your name, Jesus. Amen.